Hey folks, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. It's been a few weeks since our last podcast, and we've been busy with hunts and last-minute setups for hunters that keep coming in. But as with everything, you can't always find the time to do the things that you want. If there were a lot more hours in a day, I probably could get this cranked out every week like normal. But things come up, and you just have to keep your priorities in order. For me, it's attending to my students and getting them out there on their first hunts. So, you know, we apologize for not getting this out there sooner. And we've got a lot more in store for our listeners in the next week or two, so just bear with us and keep an eye out for our announcements. Now, on today's subject, it's all about developing your inner archer. First, let me say this is not about inner zen or some metaphysical thing. It's about developing your archery persona. And well, what is that? Well, the best way I can describe it is like a video game character. Archery is all about skill. And anyone who's ever played a video game knows you build on your character's skill and evolve them into the ultimate warrior or wizard or whatever it is they happen to be doing in that game. You get the idea. Developing your archery persona is much the same way. So today we're going to talk about how to develop that archer within you. Training, practice, time in the field, they all add up to conditioning your body to become a better shot. And that's absolutely true. And it's key and very important to becoming a better archer. But at the same time, they only make up one part of your archery persona. I see a lot of people who possess the skill to shoot long distances and make those tough shots in the field. But I think you'll find that putting that all together when the time comes is sometimes a challenge for them, or for anyone for that matter. Whether it's a tournament or that big moment in front of a trophy animal, making it all come together can sometimes be really difficult. And in a lot of cases, it results in poor execution when the moment counts the most. You're in the finals of a tournament. All of a sudden, your nerves become a problem. You're out of your normal routine, and you fall apart. You're in the woods. You know, you've, you've waited all day long. Finally, that animal shows up. You go to make the shot, and all of a sudden, you can't even find your peep. You can't. You don't know what's going on. You don't think. You don't pick out a spot. So it's like all that stuff just kind of slams at you at one time, and things fall apart. Now, there are things you can do to develop the archery persona, if you will. Like I said, it's not a Zen thing. and It's not definitely some sort of instant fix you can apply to make yourself into that ultimate archer. Just like a video game, you know, you start developing by adding little things to it. And you start with a base character, and before you know it, you've got something like a three-jewel barbarian or something like that. Whatever that has to do with. But you kind of get the picture of what I'm talking about. You have to build on it slowly. And what it all has to do with is very simple. You need to keep pushing yourself to new levels of performance. Now, some people say, well, I keep on. If I go to the gym, I, I start lifting out 20, you know, 20 pounds, and then I can get it up to 50 or whatever. Okay, that's very, very true. But I think you'll find out that you'll get used to lifting the 20 pounds, and then you're going to go to 25, 30, whatever. And if you do it at a slow pace, you'll develop strength. If you do it at a too quick a pace, like all of a sudden you go from lifting 20 pounds to picking up the 70-pound um, barbell because you see the guy next to you doing it and you want to be all macho and stuff like that, what happens? In general, you don't make yourself stronger. You might be able to do it one or two times, but you actually hurt yourself in the process, which then sets you back. So you have to develop it over time. And developing your archery persona is exactly the same thing. So let's start with practice. 
I see all too many people who shoot the same target, the same distance, at the same height every single time. It's great if that's the only thing you're going to shoot and you're always going to shoot in the exact same place and the exact same range. But if you move it closer, further, put it up or down, I think you'll see impact differences. And it's mostly because the shot has become routine to you. But the moment you change something in that shot, it all goes weird and you don't hit exactly the same. Sometimes you get lucky and it's just very small differences but other times it can be really drastic. And I see this with people who shoot at targets on the ground. And I've mentioned this before. They take their bag target, they stick it on the ground, you know, they lay it on the ground and they shoot it and they compound it every single time. They're hitting the center of the target, whether it's a deer target or an X, they're hitting it every single time. The second they put that thing at shoulder height, they're shooting low or they're shooting high or they're shooting completely off. Why is that? Well, their form may have become dependent on it being down there like that. So they will really never know the difference until they try something different. Now take that same person and put them in the field, say when they're hunting deer, and their main excuse, and I say excuse because I don't, I'm not going to say reason, it's an excuse. Like, well, I missed because the, the deer was moving or something like that, or he was a little further back. Okay, those are all completely possible. But did you ever think that maybe the reason you missed is because you've been shooting at a target that's sitting on the ground and the deer was not laying down exactly in the same position where you were shooting? If you move it up, now all of a sudden the vitals are higher, your arm angle changes, everything changes, what happens? You you turn out and you have a different impact point or you have a complete miss. A lot of things can happen. So it's all got about getting outside, got to be about getting outside of your normal routine. If you get outside your normal routine, you change it up just a little bit at a time, you're going to take your skill and develop it so that it adapts to the situation. And your form will improve because now you're not just practicing a form that works under one situation constantly, but you're letting your form be adapted to whether you're shooting high, shooting low, shooting at a target that's to the left of you, shooting at a target that's to the right of you. Shooting in circumstances where you're near other people. This applies to target archers. They go to the range and they're able to shoot at a target, say at 18 meters, 20 yards, what have you. And when they've got all the space around them, it's no problem. They hit that X every time. When they go into a pressure situation, and not even so much pressure, say if they're used to having people around them, but they go into a tournament situation and they're shooting on a line and all of a sudden you've got people three or four feet, sometimes closer, just that close to you, shooting right next to you with stabilizers and everything that jut out all over the place, your situation changes. So now you got to say, well, if I put myself in there, am I able to handle that? Well, guess what? If you practice by shooting in those situations anyway, shoot with a lot of people around, a lot of people close to you, a lot of people further from you. And I will add this one caveat in the era of COVID-19, we can't really do that. I believe that Lancaster Classic is still going to go on, and how they're going to pull that one off, I don't know. I'm dying to find out. But you get what I'm saying. So even though now you can't really shoot with people that close to you, that does not mean that you should not at least try something like that. If you can't have people next to you, because obviously social distancing and all that, then 
shoot between two trash cans really close to you, one on either side. It simulates people being in front and in back of you. Shoot with noise around you. Try all that. I see people who shoot in silence, and I mentioned this before, but the minute that they shoot with noise, they fall apart. So again, it's changing, changing the way that you practice. It's not limiting yourself to the same routine every single time. For the hunter, like I mentioned, shoot the target up, shoot the target down. Applies to the target archer as well. Because what happens when you're in a tournament? The first couple ends, if there's, depending on, the say if it's a Vegas 300 round, your target's shooting the top bail. Switch to the second half, you're shooting the bottom bail. And a lot of people break down because they're not used to shooting one or the other. Or their preference is to shoot one or the other. But if you change it up, don't just shoot the top and then shoot the bottom. Change it up. Put it somewhere in the middle. Put it to the left. Put it to the right. Change what you're doing. Make the target smaller. Make the target bigger. Now, some people say, well, what am I going to make the target bigger for? Believe it or not, if you make a target bigger when you're shooting at a distance, it takes you out of the norm again. Now, all of a sudden, you take that target for granted. Oh, I can hit this like this, and guess what? You don't come close to hitting a 10. Again, evolve your shot. Evolve the archer that's inside you that makes all of these decisions and shots. Another thing that people do is they, they're out there, they shoot, and I mentioned this before. A lot of stuff I'm going over right now is stuff that is a compilation of things from previous podcasts. And one thing that I see is there are people that when they draw back do not have the slightest ability to let down. If the shot's not there, let it down. But they can't. So what should these people be doing? A proficient archer knows when to take a shot, when it doesn't feel right, and when to let down. Now, if you don't have the ability to let down, start small, baby steps. Practice at half draw and letting it down. A little further, hold it, letting it down. Full draw, let it down. Because if you don't do that, you're not developing your inner strength. And I don't mean physical strength. Mental strength has to do a lot of it. So when you play a video game and you're developing your character, as it were, you have to develop your character's intellect. Now, all of a sudden, he's got this skill to do something, but the character automatically reacts to something because he's got the mental skill to go with it. There's some games like that. I know most of the ones that kids play these days don't have all that sort of thing built in, but it does help. But you're developing that archery persona, the part that makes everything tied together, the archery spirit that controls everything, and you've got to make it as efficient as possible. You have to make it so that it's ready for anything. If someone throws something new at you, something different, you've got to be ready to deal with it. All too often I see that when people are taken out of their comfort zone, they fall apart. And with the girls that I train and the kids that I train, one thing I try to do all the time is I will make things different all the time. So some kids will shoot at the 30-yard target, let's just say, and then I shoot them at 40. No problem. Now, all of a sudden, if I take that target and I move it lower on the spot, on because I use a, a tall target bail, I move the target lower or I move it higher or I take the target out altogether and put a blank piece of cardboard there and say, shoot the center of the target. Now, they kind of get confused. 
Now it's harder. Sometimes they need 10 to 12 shots to adjust to it. But after a while, I think they'll find that when I start to play these games and change it up for them, they're able to adapt way quicker. And the distance really has nothing to do with it. It's about how you adjust. Now, distance is a good subject for this because, like I said, you're developing your inner archer, and people think, well, the greatest archers shoot 100 yards and all that, and that's all well and good. But the reason why they do that is a lot simpler than you probably think. People think, well, if he's shooting 100 yards, like they see me shoot 100 yards, 110 yards, whatever it is, and they're like, well, he's got to have the steadiness of you know a rock to, to shoot like that. He's holding steady on the target, and that is not true. What it has to do with is having the confidence within yourself. Again, now you're building confidence that you're just going to apply the same exact technique that you would shooting at 20 yards to 100. A lot of times people let the distance become the problem that rules their life. So like I mentioned before, I, when I shoot at 100 yards, I'm applying the exact same focus, the exact same technique, just at a different sight range. But if you are worried about losing an arrow or when you're aiming at that target at 100 yards or even 30 yards, if that's the limitation of where you've been shooting before, and you're just hopeful to hit the target at that distance, therein lies your problem. Now, if you start to develop your archery persona, as I say, that persona is going to learn not to be afraid of that. That persona knows that it has worked hard. It knows its base gift for form, if you apply it, is going to get them on the target. They're not just going to hope to hit the target. They're going to get on the target and accomplish the goal that they set out, which is to hit it in the middle. No matter what the target is, how big or how small. If you mentally prepare yourself for that and then let that mental preparedness apply the physical part of it, you're not going to have a problem. And that's something that's hard for people to accept, but I can prove it to a lot of different people because I say, okay, fine. Now we're going to move it. And the biggest obstacle that I see is visual to a lot of people. What do I mean by visual? Well, I'll give you an example. If you are shooting at somewhere where the bales are marked out 50, 60, 70, believe it or not, your mind really doesn't care. It knows what the distance is because you're going to set it on your site and just go ahead and do it. But the minute that you put a number next to that and you say, well, that's a 60-yard bail. That's a 70-yard bail. Your mind goes into overtime because, again, you have not developed the self-confidence that you have the skill to do it, to apply the skill. It's not a question of whether or not you have the skill to do it because if you can shoot at 20, you can shoot at 30. Now you must apply the same skill to shooting at a different distance, and that's really all it boils down to. As a coach, I teach this to people all the time. Do what you did at 10, you can do at 50. And as long as you hold to that, you're not going to have a problem. You may think that the target is bouncing around more. If you think it's going to bounce around more, it is. 
But if you're just saying it's just another target, I'm putting the proper pin on it or I'm moving my pin to the right place, my equipment is now set up to do it. The rest is all in your head and it's not that hard. But again, you continue always to improve. Even when the best people shoot at 100 and 120 yards, okay, maybe they get accustomed to shooting at 120 yards. I got news for you. If they don't shoot closer distances, they screw up too. So again, they have to change it up all the time. My funniest thing I had, I had a dude at the range, and I'll just call him a dude because he was the machismo type. Shows up there a couple times, you know, in the summertime. Very, very, you know, his head is so swelled from being able to shoot at 80 yards that it doesn't fit through a door. And he's shooting out there. And he missed one or two arrows, but he was the target pretty well at 80, and he's shooting a cube target, which would impress anybody. And then I just happened to ask him, like, oh, you're doing really good out there. He's like, are you doing, like, in 20 and 30? He's like, oh, I'm perfect at 20 or 30. I'm like, okay. Um, well, you know, season opens in another week. Maybe you should just make sure. I hate to see anybody miss because they weren't practicing at 20 or 30. Maybe it sights off or something like this. Yeah, yeah, I got it. And then about 10 minutes later, I corner my eye, see him move his target in. I guess maybe I got in his head or something like that. And he put it at about 25 yards. He could not hit the center of that thing for his life. He didn't know what it was. Comes back to me. He's like, you think there's something wrong with my tune or something like that? I looked at Bo, looked at him. I said, nope, something wrong with you. And he says, well, how do you know? He's a 29 and a half inch draw. I'm a 29. I drew his bow which is not set for me, but I can still do it. I drew his bow, and I didn't hit the exact center of the target, but I was off by maybe an inch. I said, nope, it's all you. And I do that for a lot of people sometimes to prove to them it's not the equipment that they're fighting. It's them that they're fighting. Wouldn't you know it that I told him, I, you know, for one of the most probably, if he's listening to this because he started listening to the podcast, he came off as probably one of the most arrogant people I've ever met prior to this little incident with me when even though somebody is like that i still try to help him and like i said from that time i helped him out and i said listen go back to your basics do what you've got to do but just change it so if you're shooting 80 great more power to you you shoot 30 apply the same thing you're doing at 80 you're shooting 20 apply the same thing and the biggest difference with him that he found out that which really freaked him out was I put the target at five yards and I said, shoot it. He didn't have a five yard pin. He had a 20 yard pin. I said, shoot it. He missed the target entirely at five yards. And then I started explaining to him and said, listen, first clear your head, wipe out every part of what has just happened that you missed, that you messed up, whatever. I don't care what it is. Throw it all away. Now, you know what you do to take a shot. You know you draw it back. You get your shoulders level. You pitch at it. Aim. Execute your shot. Follow through. There is no difference between shooting his 80-yard target and shooting a 5-yard target. But you need to make the shot different every single time as far as randomizing your distances. And after about two or three words and 
things like that, I'm going with him. And I'm no guru by any stretch of the imagination. He went back to basics and he drilled the five-yard target. He started putting it out at 35 in between his pins, drilled it. Back to 80, drilled it. Later in that week, I saw the guy again. He put it out at 90. He's never shot 90 before. He says, you know, whatever it is that you told me to do when it came to just keeping it all the same, it worked. And that's what I'm talking about. Keep your basics, but change it up. Train your mind to use the tools that you already have developed in your physical part. And once you do that, your persona just gets in more and more. And your persona becomes that sharper, that ultimate archery character. And archery character is something that, you know, it's very, very important. Because if you can't develop it, you're going to become stagnant. And I see a lot of guys who hunt or who shoot target and taken outside of their environment where the shot's not perfect or something's not right or the lighting's not right. They can't get it done. What we want you to do is become an all-around total archer. Someone who, regardless of what the situation is, regardless of noise, regardless of lighting, regardless of, regardless of distance, regardless of the environment around you, is able to complete that shot. Some of the best trick shots in the world can do it because they just phase out everything else and they, they're they able to apply the basic to it. Doesn't mean you're going to be shooting, you know, aspirin out of the air. With enough practice, you probably could if you just apply the same principles every single time. It takes years to do. But develop your archery character. And I think you'll see by changing it up, target distances, angles, shot variation, it all works. And it's not hard. And once you do that, there's another part of the character that will actually help you. Believe it or not, I as an instructor teach one thing. Always be open to listening to what other people have to say. Maybe someone doesn't do it the way you do it. Doesn't make a difference. Keep an open mind to it. It could be incorrect. It could be that it's just something that doesn't work for you, but always keep an open mind. Because the fact of the matter is, the day that you stop learning is the day you should just give up. Because even doing this for as many years as I've been doing it, which is going on 40 years, I still pick up things from people, and they're not like seasoned experts. Sometimes I'll see a young student doing something and I never thought about doing it that way and it helps. So you're always aspiring to learn more, to pick up more, to adapt more, to try new things. And if you do that, then I think you'll find that you're going to be just fine and never have a problem. It's when you stop doing that, that you stop growing on the inside as an archer. I think I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I'll go into it again. You know, besides doing this and having my regular life, I watch a lot of sci-fi stuff. And one of the things I watch is Doctor Who. If you've never heard of him, then crawl out from under the rock. You've been under all these times, but whatever. And in one episode, 
he says this one famous line. He says, throughout the course of our lives, we're a lot of different people because you change. Just like we're talking about you changing, you're evolving that inner archer. So we're a lot of different people throughout the course of our lives. But what makes it different for us is, and the most important thing, is to remember all the people that you've been in the past before. And if you remember all the things you've been to, been through in your development as an, as an archer, it will only make you better because you'll stop making the same mistakes over and over again. It's when people forget all the different archers they've been before or in anything in life that they make all the mistakes and they repeat them and they get stuck in that endless loop. Do better, make a mistake, go back to what you were. Do better, make a mistake, go back to what you were. But if you apply the basic principle of let yourself become that other person, grow constantly, improve your archery skills, improve your environmental shoot, situational shooting, then you get better. And when you hit a stumbling block, you'll put that and it becomes part of your persona and you'll know this is what happens when I do this. So I'm not going to do that again. And you learn and develop learning things from other people, hopefully picking up some stuff from this podcast and you let it continue to develop you. And that's the most important part of all this. And if you got just a little bit out of that, then maybe it'll help you. And that's what we hope. Um, so that'll do it for what the main subject of this podcast was. But one other thing that you can do, and this goes out to all the hunters, and especially this time of year, okay? Now, forgetting all the political stuff going on and all that, I don't get too wrapped up in that stuff. I know it's all important, but I don't get wrapped up in it. But I think amidst all that, sometimes what's forgotten is that no matter what happens out there, nothing's going to change the dire need that people have around you. A lot of people go hungry, that sort of thing, because they're out of work, especially with this COVID thing. A lot of stuff happens. So hunters, if you're out there listening to this, I want you to remember one thing. And if you don't know too much about it, maybe you should find out. So what happens is, I'll give you an example in New York and even in New Jersey, because I hunt both places. Both of them have wildlife management areas that are set up by the local fish and game departments in New York state. It's um, the DEC. And what they do is they they'll have permits that are available. They can go on their, on their property. You can shoot regular with your regular license. And what'll happen is if you harvest a doe and they have a certain limit of dough there, you can actually apply for another tag and they'll usually sell you another tag just by going to the computer and say, Hey, another need another tag for one C and they'll give you another tag for one C or whatever it is, whatever unit you're in, if they're available. Now, a lot of people will say, well, on my New York license, I got four tags. What the hell do I want another deer for? Well, think of it like this. I go out there every year and I try to harvest at least two or three deer. And I do. Um, but when the opportunity arises, you don't always have, you know, I give it away to family and I have some a lot for, for my students and that sort of thing. But if you have the opportunity and you think of it like this, go out there and you harvest the dough, okay? You don't have any need for it, let's just say. Well, you don't leave it there. What if you were out there for the same purpose I was, and I try to do this at least two or three times a year. I go out there, I harvest a dough or two, and then I'll donate them to the venison donation programs that are in the area. What they do with that venison is they now take it, the butchers take care of it, and 
they process it, and those are used for soup kitchens and to feed people who otherwise don't have the means to feed themselves, whether they're homeless or just families near you. And if you don't have a program like that near you, I'm sure there are people that the local church can tell you about that are probably in need that I will tell you right now what to you is just that's just another deer. That meat will feed them for a while, and they would be oh so gracious to accept it from you. They, they would be unbelievably thankful. So if you have that opportunity to do that, I'm asking any hunter out there, find out about the programs near you. You got that you know extra tag that you're not going to really use. Go out there if it allows you to harvest a, a doe or something like that, or if there's a program where you can harvest a lot of does, go do it. Donate the meat. Go to the churches and say, hey, do you have anybody here, You know, any of your families that might need something? I'm planning on going out hunting tomorrow, and if you got people who, who are are in need, I'll be happy to donate the meat from that to them. Not only does it get you more familiar with hunting in the woods, because now you're more accustomed to doing this all the time, it'll help other people out and make you a better person in turn. And that's going to do it for, you know, my um, public announcement for this. I usually don't do this sort of thing, but this time of year and with everything that's going on, I figure it's kind of important. So now we're going to get to our listener questions. Uh, Every week, like I said, I get tons of questions in the emails. I answer all of them. Um, Today we picked out a few, not necessarily related to the subject of this particular podcast, like I do all the time, but um, we'll put them in here anyway. And the first one, Joe H. writes, love the podcast, just found it. What's the best way to remove serving and peep tie-ins without damaging the string? I just started doing my own work. As where I live in upstate New York, the nearest shop is an hour from my house, and the nearest quality shop is even farther. Well, the first thing I'll tell you, Joe, and I did reply to you, is I hear this sort of thing all the time, and being able to remove serving is a pretty important thing. And a lot of times on forums when you read out you know, how to place a peep in, that sort of thing, they leave out this part. And the first thing I say is just start off with a dull knife, never a sharp razor or anything like that. Dull takes into the, the oops factor into this. Use a dull knife and always have the blade of the knife pointing up towards you as you cut along the serving. Work at the bottom, make a couple little passes, and then try to break it apart with your nail because all you have to do is break that first band of string or serving, and then you can usually unravel it. And the more you work it, the easier it'll come unravel. The idea is to cut as little as possible. Only nick something, unravel usually pops, and it comes off. If you have somebody who Spider-Man tied it, Okay. And when I say Spider-Man tied, I've seen serving jobs that either the dude spent 10 hours doing it or there's something really weird about it. Just take your time with it. Undo it slowly. The less cuts you have to make, the less chances something's going to happen. Also, when you take off the serving, particularly from a peep area, look at the string under it and see if there's any threads that have been broken. Unfortunately, what I see a lot of these days is that people go to shops and then of course they take the bow out of your field of view when you're doing it and they're working on it in the back or something like that. Sometimes these guys inadvertently, I'm not saying they do it on purpose, will nick a string. And when they do it, they, they, they cover it up by serving tightly on it. And if that happens, you're going to get a surprise when you open it up, but better to find out that you have that sort of thing and you have the ample opportunity to replace it. than it should fail on you when you're shooting. The other thing with removing serving is a simple one. 
always take the serving off. If we're talking about center serving now, say take the center serving off. Again, nick the bottom, work it, take it off. And as soon as you're done, no matter what, and this has nothing to do with how to cut it off, but it should have to do with what happens after you're done. Mark where it starts, mark where it ends, so you know where to start reserving again. But also check the string on the words, under, underneath and make sure it's not damaged. And that's pretty much it. I think I went into a lot more detail with your email. If anyone out there has a question about this, feel free to write me and I will answer it. Always looking to help people with that. Our next question is from Mike M. And he writes, I've been listening to the podcast for a few months now. And your tips really work when it comes to getting my son to shoot with me. That's great. Uh, at first, he was not really getting it. But when I started putting character pictures like zombies on his target, he just turned he just turned on and now wants to shoot every day with me. So thanks so much for that. If you look at any of my Facebook or Instagram posts, you see a lot of that. I have zombie targets. I have all kinds of things. And like I said, we change it up. My question is about shooting when it gets close to the end of the day. Once the star, sun starts to set, I can see the target, but I hit all over the place. Is it me or am I doing something wrong? With this, peep size has everything to do with it. Sometimes if you shoot a peep that is way too small, you're going to lose light coming in. And at the end of the day, you could be actually shooting under the peep, over it. You're trying to focus on it instead because it closes so much on you. You know, you're, you're not gathering the light. You wind up not being centered on it. So it has to do with the peep. And I would say go to a slightly smaller peep. You'd be way better off. A slightly larger peep on the aperture. You'd be way better off. Our next question from Jake T. He writes, I listened to your podcast about aiming and alignment. My problem is I can't get my shoulders to stay in line. I took a lesson at a local shop, and the guy told me I need to keep my elbow up if I want to have good form. Oh, boy. This is going to be one of them. It feels uncomfortable, and I always hit low when I do that. I also get a lot of pain in that shoulder after shooting for half hour or so. I'm not sure what to do. I want to get better and keep shooting, but not if this is just going to wind me up with pain all the time. I'm 17 and have been shooting two years. Never was real good, but took your advice and went to get a lesson. And all the time I shot before, never had any pain. Is this normal? The guy at the shop told me it will go away and just to buck up. Am I missing something? Any help would be appreciated. Oh, well, now, Jake, I did respond to you and we did figure out what was going on. I actually did a FaceTime with him and we straightened out his problem right away. Let's just start with many, many times I have mentioned going to someone to get lessons when that person probably shouldn't be giving them. And a lot of times I'll see this. So this guy is telling him to keep his shoulder up and that if it's uncomfortable, buck up. Really? Okay. First of all, form is all about repetition. If you keep on jacking your shoulder up all the time, you're going to keep it out of line and it's going to hurt because you're causing those muscles to contract in a way that they're not supposed to. Hence your pain. Secondly, if you shoot with your shoulder up in the air, pointed towards the sky, which it seems like this guy's trying to make you do, yeah, then that's going to cause you to shoot low all the time because it's like a seesaw. Rear shoulder's up, front one's going to be down, and you're going to usually prime it dropping out of the target or impacting low. So as I told you, and as I showed you, for all those who are listening to this, first things first, the cure for this, 
forget what this dude told you. Second, keep your shoulders in line with your arms. So if it feels more comfortable to have that, that arm a little bit higher, have it a little bit higher. If it feels more comfortable to keep it even, keep it even. You try not to let it dip below your shoulder line because then you're, you're causing undue pressure in other places. But I think most people are comfortable keeping it up higher or keep keeping it level. And where you make the difference, and this I keep on saying, break the wrist. I don't mean break your wrist riddly, uh, literally. What I mean is bend at the wrist, which is like blasphemy to some coaches. Don't ask me why. Bend at the wrist. Your segment is different from your wrist to your elbow for each and every person. Some people, they can line it up exactly so they're perfectly straight. And other people can't. Keep it on your anchor point in your face. Bend the wrist so that your your arm is straight. And you'll see you get like that little angle from a triangle in there. And that allows you to draw comfortably. Again, it's one thing to go for instruction. But a lot of coaches forget. If this guy's even a coach, which judging from what he said to, to you to buck up if you have pain, he ain't a coach. Each and every student is different. Each and every student is built differently. Each and every student has different habits, can do certain things that others can't. You have to adapt to the student. Apparently, this guy just thinks, hey, you got to do it like that, and that's it, end of story. I can only imagine how many people he's damaged doing this. If you want to do this for a long time, do what's comfortable. Go to someone who's going to show you, okay, doesn't mean that you have to do it like this. We can adapt this to you, but still keep you within a relatively good form. Remember what I said. The day that it becomes painful or work or something like that, you don't want to do this anymore. So just go ahead and do the right thing for you. And with the right person coaching you, and I think I put you on the right path now, it should be fine. Now, that'll do it for the listener questions, and it's time for the don't be that guy. First of all, I know most of you are used to me unleashing the fire and brimstone on that guy who does something really annoying. But today's don't be that guy is geared more towards something that is near and dear to me personally, and that's teaching others. And, you know, I teach hunter safety here in New York, and when we teach our courses, although now it's gone online so that we're kind of separated from the students. When we teach our courses, we're supposed to serve as role models to our students. So there's two different don't be that guys here. And the first one goes out to instructors who do what I do, teaching hunter safety or teaching people how to hunt. Okay. You represent yourself as the role model for your new students. People who have never hunted before. Okay. But just recently, I found out that there were a couple of guys who got into trouble with the law because they were doing the wrong things when they were hunting, okay? The law enforcement officer who got involved realized that they didn't know any better because they weren't taught properly. And he started, and he says, listen, he's going to reach out to some, some people who do what I do and see if they can help them and maybe mentor them a little bit to get these guys on the right path. We're not just going to throw them away because they made a mistake. And the thing that got me was out of all the people he reached out to, not one person was willing to help. I am two and a half to three hours away from where these guys live. Okay. And 
when it comes down to it, they need to help. Somebody local should be able to help them. But there's nobody who even wanted to do it. I myself am going to take the time out to go out there and get these guys on a hunt and show them how to do it right. So don't be that guy who is an instructor and preaches one thing and does something else. Oh, it's all well and good. Do things as I say. Do it like this. But, oh, can I show you how to do this personally? Taking out of my time, which I say I'm donating because, hell, I'm teaching this course here for you. But me, go out of my way to help somebody who actually needs it? Oh, no, I won't do that. Don't be that guy who does that sort of thing. Because not for nothing, if that's the way you're going to be when it actually comes down to it, stop teaching. Just give it up. It sets me off to find out that people who want to be representative, like, oh, they can look up to me. I'm their teacher. I can do all that. But when it comes down to it, no, I won't actually help anybody out. Get a life. Go somewhere else. Stop doing it. Because you're the type of people that that do as I do, do as I say, but don't do as I do person that make other people not want to be in this. That when someone makes a mistake, it's probably because of you, because if they had a mentor to do it the right way, they wouldn't be in the predicament that they're in. I go out of my way to help as many students on their hunts as possible. You know why? I don't charge them guiding fees or anything like that so that they can get the best experience possible. Then you know what? Sooner or later, maybe down the line, they'll teach other people how to do it the right way too. And they don't have to be an instructor for that. But at least they got the right start and they can do it. So I'm sorry if I'm losing my mind on this one, but that really hit close to home. And those guys, if you're listening to me now, I'm coming out there to help you. And we're going to get it done right. And maybe, maybe some other instructor who's listening to this will take it as a kick in the ass and maybe think, maybe I can give a couple hours of my time to help people who don't know how to do this the right way. And that's the don't be that guy I'm talking about today. The other one is the type of coach, if you want to call him, the shop guy that Jake wrote about who insisted that he do it his way, learning how to shoot. No matter what happened, if you feel pain, telling them to buck up. For real? Don't be that guy who says, you either do it my way or you don't do it at all. Because if you don't do it my way, you're just going to suck. Don't be that guy who's, it's my way or the highway. And that goes for anything. Whether it's archery involved or not. The my way or the highway thing. When you impose that on somebody, it turns them off. And we have a hard enough time retaining people in archery as it is and in hunting as it is. And if you're going to be that nasty to them or make it sound like you just don't care, you're going to push them away. And if that's your case, get out of the business. I see that a lot in shops or like, oh, I'm too important to show you how to do this. Or, you know what, when I do, you're going to do it my way. And that's it. People got to adapt. And if you're not willing to do that, then get out of the business. So don't be that guy who wants to impose your will on somebody else just because that's the way you do it. And I'm trying to wind myself down now. I did not mean to get so crazy, but those are two things that really do upset me. Whoa. Yeah, talk about getting wound up and just going absolutely bananas. But again, these are things that I feel very, very seriously about. So that is going to do it for this episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. Just as a little tidbit, we um, are recording another podcast tomorrow night. 
which will probably be a few days ago when you finally get this thing on there. I got to do some editing. And that's going to be, we have an actual documentary crew who um, come out here to do a documentary on deer overpopulation in New York and other parts of the country. And they're going to record one of our podcasts until we do it. And on that podcast, I'm going to have my apprentice Leanne and her mom and her little sister, who you see on a lot of my Facebook posts. They're some of my favorite shooters. And we spent a lot of time together, you know, at the archer range, as, as I do with all my students. They're going to be on that podcast, too. It'll be the first time they are ever on a podcast, and we've been trying to get him on one of these for a long time, but I think you'll find it's going to be an interesting one. Um, it'll be different for sure. We'll cover a couple of different things on that, and we'll even talk about some things on deer management. So if you have someone who doesn't understand why we deer hunt, stuff like that, I think it might be an interesting one to listen to. And that's coming up on, uh, I believe it'll be Podcast 30. Anyway, so that'll do it for this episode. As always, you can find us on any outlet that you find podcasts we're on spotify we're on apple we're on a different bunch of different places and you can also find us on anchor if you want to listen there all the links are always in the description uh be sure to like and subscribe this way you can always stay up to date when we come out with new episodes so it's never goodbyes until we meet again until then stay safe and shoot straight